This is Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will begin the next sermon in my husband's series on heavenly authority. In prior sermons, Pastor has discussed the important attitudes the servants of the Lord who are in positions of authority should have. And as Pastor Greg winds down this Through the Bible series, he returns to the Old Testament to illustrate and emphasize critical additional characteristics necessary for those in service in order for the church to go forward in the Lord's victory. Before we go into the sermon, let me apologize for the audio quality in spots. It was during this very sermon years back that our old audio recording system began to fail, and we had to purchase the new system we now use. But since this sermon was so crucial to the closing of the Heavenly Authority series, we did not want you to miss the information, and so we edited out the noise as best as we could. So now let's join Pastor Greg as he begins the Sunday message focused on David's mighty men. In the Heavenly Authority series, I would like to go back into the Old Testament uh, and we're going to look in, we're going to look first in 2 Samuel chapter 10. In 2 Samuel chapter 10, we read how David's ambassadors are sent to comfort the new king of the Ammonites, Hanan, on the death of Hanan's father. And David is trying to obviously uh, make peace with them. And these ambassadors that David sends to the Ammonites are taken and they're humiliated. They shave off half their beards. Uh, they cut off their garments and they send them back. And then the Ammonites hired 33,000 Syrians uh, to join them to fight. Their reaction to David is to fight Israel. And so you read then in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7, Now when David heard of it, when he heard of how they treated the ambassadors, when he heard that they're hiring these Syrians and building up this force against them, when David heard of it, he sent Joab, and all the army of the mighty men, and all the army of the mighty men. Um, some of your translations might say fighting men. That word there for mighty men in the Hebrew, Gabor, Gabor, it comes from a primitive root to mean to be strong, to be mighty. And you have here the Gaborim, the mighty men, the Gaborim. And it's a designation used in the Old Testament for outstanding, strong men and heroes, courageous warriors, mighty men of valor. And there was, uh, at the time of David, a special inner core around David of brave warriors that are known in the scriptures as the mighty men. Uh, they were close to him. They risked their lives for him both before and after he became king of Israel. And they were specially anointed, and they did great exploits in the battles that they fought. You read about them in 2 Samuel chapter 23. 
You read about them in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. I'm going to start with 2 Samuel chapter 23. And we'll start at uh, verse 8. And you have three divisions here. It's, it's a little difficult to see. You have three divisions in this group of mighty men. You have the first three who are well-known in Israel. Their exploits are, are above all the rest. And they stand out and they're chief over the mighty men. And then you have a second three who are also very well-known, who stand out above the others, but not as much as the first group of three. And then you have the 30 mighty men, other mighty men that fall into this category that they just were able to accomplish great things for the Lord in a very supernatural way. Um, let's look at the first group in verse 8. It says, these are the names of the mighty men, the Gaborim, whom David had. And some of these names are very difficult to pronounce. The first one is Joshabash Ebeth, the Takamite. The Takamite was probably a uh, family name. He's also called um, a shortened version of it in Chronicles. We read First Chronicles chapter 11. He's called Jeshubim, a shortened version of Joshabash Ebeth. Chief, it says, among the captains. So he's the leader among the captains. He was also called, he was called Adeno, Adeno the Esnite, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. And that word there, Adeno, means he wielded his spear. That's what they call him that. And they're not sure why, what the word Esnite means. Adeno, he wielded his spear. And this Adeno is a lot easier to pronounce than the other one, so I'll use that. Adeno is known, he stands out as chief because he was able to, in the battle, come against, defeat, and kill 800 men, enemies of Israel. Now that makes you think back to Samson, all the power that came upon the judges in the book of Judges, miraculous routing, what power God put into these men that one could stand against 800. And after him, after him was Eleazar, Eleazar the son of Doda, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. The, um, the Ahohites is the descendant of Ahoah who's from Benjamin. So it's just saying he's from the tribe of Benjamin. They give his father's name. And this Eleazar stood with David as well as uh, Adeno, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had what? Retreated. So the Israelites, the troops of the Israelites, retreat before the Philistines, but David's there by himself and these three men. He arose, this Eleazar, and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword. His hand stuck to the sword, the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to the plunder. So he's one of the leaders in this battle against the Philistines of the three standing with David. The people of Israel retreat. Once he wins it, they come back in to get their plunder. And many times that's what happens, right? People, when they see the battle going bad, they run. And when the battle is victorious, then they come back in. They want to have a part in the victory. But he fought so hard with David. He stood so resolute and he struck them 
and he was weary, and he was so tired that you couldn't get the sword out of his hand. He wouldn't let that sword go. He just kept fighting and fighting and holding and holding until he became stuck like one with his hand, no matter how tired he was. Look at the image you have of these Gaborim, these mighty men. Verse 11, and after him was Shammah, Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And it's thought that the Herorites were, it means mountains from either the hill countries of Judea or the hill countries of Ephraim. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So they want the harvest there. So the people, again, what do they do? They fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself, verse 12, he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. So again, another situation, one of these three top mighty men, Shammah, who stands his ground. When everyone else flees, he stood his ground, he defended it, he killed the Philistines, and the Lord. Now who brings about the victory? Who brings about the victory? The Lord. It's the Lord's victory, right? It's the Lord's anointing. It's the Lord's power. But these men are vessels. They're recipients. They're willing recipients who do not give up. They just keep standing in the power of Yahweh. They are recipients of the Lord's power, and the Lord then brings great victory through them. So those are the top three. And then it says in verse 13, the next three, then three of the thirty chief men came down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. That's the cave that David sets up as a, almost like a, um, uh, a home base when he's fleeing from Saul, and then later on it's important also to him. And the troops of the Philistines, this is probably after David has become king. This most likely corresponds to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, that's the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, so he's kind of trapped in by the Philistine garrison, and he says with longing, and it's, it's really foolish. He shouldn't say it out loud because it sparks the men to want to do something, but it was an honest cry. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men, this is the next three, broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. And there's a whole sermon that's there that I won't go into why uh, David won't drink of that water. Basically, uh, he said this thing, and these men went, went down foolishly because they want to please him. Now, the thing we want to take from this is their desire to please the king their desire even to risk their lives to do something for the king. But David realizes it was a rash thing he said, that he motivated them to do it. And since it would, would have been a sacrifice, they could have been killed, it would be as though he's drinking their blood. And you, the only sacrifice you can take, you know, the sacrifice of the animals, you never could 
drink the blood, right? You can never take the life of someone else inside your heart. No one else can have that preeminence, right? And this would have given them preeminence, a place it was something they were not called to do. If the life is in the blood and they're sacrificing their life in this, this way that should not have happened, He's looking for a greater sacrifice. Dave is looking ahead to the, the sacrifice where you can take the life of the one giving his life inside of you. And we say at the communion table, the blood of, of Jesus. That was a sacrifice made for all of us that we can drink of because the life is in the blood and his sinless life we can receive inside of us. And there's, there's a lot more to this and I don't want to dwell on it. But anyway, you see, though, their courage. You have to say they have courage, they have loyalty to David. They love David. They go in just to get him a drink of water, and they take a chance at the Philistine camp. And now we get in verse uh, in verse 18, two, we start to hear two of the names of these second three. We, don't, we never get the third name, but we get two of the names of these three. While our radio programs are from past sermons, current sermons are live-streamed on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Join us for in-depth Bible messages by Pastor Greg and Associate Pastor Francis David for a celebration of the Lord's Supper and for prayer and conversation by Pastor Greg and myself. You can search YouTube for the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle channel, or you can use the link on our church website at shi'arjeshub.org. The programs are then posted on YouTube and rumble.com for 24-7 access. Join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.